Today is the 14th of July, 2021. We can think back to the time of the Buddha, the time when the fully self-awakened Buddha awakened to the truth under the Bodhi tree on the 15th day of the sixth lunar month. And after he awakened, the Buddha entered and savored the bliss of liberation for seven weeks, for 49 days total. So we likely know this story already. And after this, after the Lord Buddha's awakening, the Buddha contemplated into the Dhamma that he had understood, contemplated the Dhamma of Patita Samuppada, the Dhamma of dependent origination, the Dhamma of the cause of the arising of experience, the cause of the arising of all things. And this is a very subtle Dhamma. This is one for the one with the highest wisdom to contemplate, which is the Lord Buddha. And this is what the Buddha contemplated in order to realize awakening. And having awakened, then the Buddha, his mind uh, realized purity. And after attaining this purity, then the Buddha contemplated the same Dhamma of dependent origination for seven days and seven nights. Then he went to walk, do walking meditation uh, northwest of the Bodhi tree. And at this site, there's currently a, a chedi marking this location. So the Buddha walked there for seven days and seven nights, uh, savoring the bliss of liberation. And what the Buddha did, what he realized, it's uh, something miraculous and amazing, something that's not easy to occur. We see that the Lord Buddha cultivated states of deep absorption, uh, deep samadhi, the jhanas, and he did this a lot already. And therefore, for the Buddha to awaken at this point, then it was something that he was able to do without difficulty. But for ourselves, we're not able to realize this in this way. We can't, we're not able to conceptualize it. And we can ask, well, what the Buddha awaken to our minds. We can't think of it. And after the Buddha awakened, then he walked to the group of five ascetics to teach them, to teach them the truth that he had awakened to, the truth of rupa and nama, materiality and mentality, the truth of these five aggregates of form, feeling, perception, formations, and consciousness. And the Buddha had seen these five khandas already, seen them according to the truth as they are, as Dhamma. He saw this clearly, that they arise, stay for a little while, and pass away. So we contemplate this as well. That which we call me and mine, that which we call ours, is it really ours? Is that true? Is it really mine? And when we look closely, we see that that which we call me and mine, it's just there temporarily. So therefore, having been born, we must build parami first. Because we're not yet at the point where we're able to see the truth of reality clearly, like the Buddha. Because of that which covers over and obstructs our hearts and minds, which is delusion and ignorance. For whatever material things or 
uh, mental things there are, we have liking and disliking for them, whether it's bodily sensations or smells or sounds or sights or tastes or mental objects, all the objects of the six senses, the mind will have liking and disliking, and this is due to delusion. So given this uh, delusion and liking and disliking, what should we do? We must practice. We have belief that the Buddha saw materiality and mentality as not-self. We have this belief, this faith. And we may be able to think to ourselves that it's really not me, it's not mine. We may be able to think this, but we don't yet see it. We don't yet see it clearly. We may be able to think of this and our mind accepts it. And if we're able to accept it, then uh, suffering and stress will reduce, will decrease. Because we think that it's uh, not self, we have this thought and the mind accepts it. However, when a mood or sense impression enters the mind, any one of the six senses enters the mind, then we cling and attach again. The sense of me and mine arises again. Uh, suffering arises again. We consider what the Buddha awakened to. He awakened to how is suffering? What is it caused by? What is the end of suffering like? What is the way to practice to realize the end of suffering? Because we see that having been born, we all try to avoid suffering, and we all try to realize happiness. But this uh, ignorance and delusion makes us uh, cling and attach, which is the cause for suffering to arise. So we look at things that we like, that we're attracted to, and we feel that this will bring us happiness. We'll have feelings of uh, pleasure and happiness. But then when this object, whatever it is, when it goes away, then suffering arises. We can consider parents, mothers and fathers. They have a lot of love for their children. And their children may be a very good child who uh, is very studious and a, a good kid. And this child, even the mother and father, may take refuge in this child in that sense. And then when the child uh, goes away or dies, this can be very traumatic for the parent. And this is because of clinging and attachment. We see that all that we love, we must be separated from. This is what the Buddha taught. He taught for the Sangha to contemplate this every day, to contemplate it a lot. This is because it's the truth of the way things are. Or we may have a wife or a husband then to separate from our spouse can be a very high level of suffering. Or to separate from any uh, family member or close loved one, to separate them from, from them is a lot of suffering. So at this time, we see this a lot in the world. Mothers die, fathers die, children die, family and close friends die due to the uh, pandemic. So this happens a lot. So therefore we see that life is unsure. Death is for sure. Life must end in death. So we contemplate this. And this is 
able to bring our minds to peace and collectedness. But if we think of this and we contemplate this and our mind becomes uh, sad and depressed, then this is not correct. We contemplate death for the sake of heedfulness because the mind tends to get lost in liking and disliking too much. So we contemplate that things are uncertain, that things are ever-changing and impermanent. We contemplate it as Dhamma. And if we understand this point, then we'll understand the teachings of the Buddha. Because the Buddha taught suffering and the cause of suffering. And we see that the Arahants, the fully awakened ones, they know the truth of reality, they know the Dhamma, and they don't suffer. They're able to go into the bliss of liberation, following after the Buddha. However, the Arahant has the suffering of the five khandhas, the suffering of the body and mind. They must care for their bodies, care for their khandhas, have to rest their bodies, uh, use medicine. They have to use the things of this world to uh, exist in the bodily sense. Therefore, they still have some suffering. But we see that whatever it is in the world, it's something that we're not able to control. We may want to control everything. We want to control the things in our lives. But this is something we're not able to do. And of a primary example of this is the body. We don't want the body to age or sicken, but we can't stop it from aging. We can't stop it from getting sick. So we must contemplate this point. Contemplate that the five aggregates, the body and mind, are suffering. It can't last, can't be sustained. And this is what the fully awakened Buddha walked uh, to go teach the group of five ascetics. And the Buddha taught in a very straightforward manner that everything which is of the nature to arise is of the nature to pass away. And this is everything, every single thing, anything and everything in the world, whether mental or material, rupa or nama. And if it's a physical thing like a tree or a mountain, uh, all the things in this world, all things are of this nature. Or it could be buildings like chedis or uposita halls, various things like this. Whatever it is, it's of the nature to arise and pass. If it arises, then it must pass away. And yet still with uh, birth we feel happiness, and with death and passing we feel sadness. We feel sadness. Because the knowing element, the jitta, is like this when it doesn't have wisdom. So therefore we teach our minds to have wisdom. We teach our minds that everything arises and passes. And this is what Anya Kondanya, Venerable Anya Kondanya saw. He saw the Dhamma. So we must accept, we have to accept the truth of the way things are. And we see Anyakandanya saw the Dhamma in the first discourse. So we may ask, well, is seeing the Dhamma uh, so easy like this? But we have to consider that this last life of Anyakandanya, he started out life as a young uh, Brahmin, and he gave the prophecy that the Prince Siddhartha would 
become a fully awakened Buddha. And this was when he was about 20 years old. And then the Lord Buddha awakened at the age of 35. Therefore, we can consider that Venerable Anya Kandanya was roughly 55 years old at the time of the first discourse. And he had already practiced Dhamma a lot, practiced meditation a lot before he saw the Buddha. He practiced for 35 years, which is no small amount of time. And before this final life of his, he built Parami over many, many lifetimes. I built Parami to be the first awakened disciple of a Buddha. Therefore, when he listened to the first discourse, wisdom was able to arise. And before the first discourse, he did have well-established samadhi, but wisdom couldn't arise. This is because he was incapable of self-awakening, of knowing for himself. He had the parami to be awakened disciple of the Buddha, but he needed a fully self-awakened Buddha to come teach him to listen to the Dhamma from that Buddha. Or he needed a, uh, a disciple of a Buddha who was already awakened to come teach him, such as the case of Venerable Asaji Tara, who brought the Dhamma to Upatissa, also known as Venerable Sariputta. And Venerable Asaji taught the Dhamma to Sariputta, who was able to see the Dhamma. And he taught that everything arises based on causes, and with the cessation of those causes, uh, they cease. Thought to see arising and ceasing. And seeing arising and ceasing gave rise to knowledge. If the mind gathers together at this point, sila, samadhi, and panya come together in the mind, and then we see that which we haven't seen before. We see that all the things of this world are as if covered over, uh, just like in our hearts the Dhamma is covered over. And it's a very beautiful thing inside the heart that's covered over. And so when we remove the obscurations, we see this most beautiful thing. And if we don't see the Dhamma, then that which is buried in the heart, this uh, beautiful truth of reality uh, stays covered over. But with sila, samadhi, and panya gathering together as one in the mind, then we're able to see clearly. And then when this occurs, then, for example, an eye seeing a form, such as seeing the meditation hall here, it's a seeing a thing but we see this thing as empty. We see it as empty. Therefore, one sees all materiality as empty, and emptiness is in form, and form is in emptiness. This is because all things are empty. So the teachings are there for, to help us see this clearly, to open up our hearts and minds, to see why is this the case? Because when we see clearly, we see all the things in the world. There's really nothing there. There's no me or mine, no self to be found. Everything merely arises and passes away. 
And seeing this clearly, the mind can realize great happiness, uh, fullness, and rapture with this clear seeing. And by virtue of this clear seeing, the mind doesn't want anything in the world anymore. It doesn't want anything by virtue of this clear seeing. So we may study in school, study to a bachelor's degree or master's degree or doctoral degree. Then we come to ordain and we have this goal. Uh, we have a goal for our lives. So therefore we don't waste time, but we seek out the paths and fruits and Nibbana. We develop our minds like this. And we practice to see that all the things in this world arise and cease. None of it is a me or a mine. When we die, we can't take any of it with us. Whether one has a lot of things in the world or a little bit, all beings age, uh, sicken, and die. And one may die at a young age or old age. One may own a lot of things or own just a little bit, and one dies all the same. Some people aged just uh, 35 or so die from the COVID virus, and some elderly people die, uh, young people die. And so we practice to accept this. And we can think uh, 10 years ago, probably none of us thought that this would happen, that such a pandemic would occur. And usually people don't think that they will die, but we contemplate, we consider that it really it's unsure, it's not certain. When I saw this, I was in school and I didn't wish to continue studying. I thought it would be better to go ordain. And this is something that's not easy to do. And having ordained, one must strive, one must have a goal, and one must strive to realize this goal through one's practice. One practices the monastic routine of uh, morning chanting, evening chanting, doing the chores and work around the monastery. And one does this according to one's ability. One follows the routine in order to cut off the kilesas, the defilements in the heart. When liking arises, contemplate. It's something unsure, it's impermanent. When disliking arises, contemplate, it's unsure, it's impermanent. Contemplate the four requisites that we use. Contemplate them to give rise to heedfulness. That these requisites that we use of uh, food, shelter, robes, and medicine, we use them for the sake of Nibbana. To give rise to mindfulness, samadhi, and wisdom. And to do our practice. And we do our practice, and sometimes something amazing occurs, a miracle arises. Sometimes the mind gathers together. It's not getting lost in proliferation. Then when the mind exits this gathered state, then the mind begins to consider along the lines of wisdom. And with this, the mind can realize a great brightness. One sees everything as Dhamma which give rise to knowledge and insight. And the Buddha taught the way to realize this wisdom. He taught correctly to understand the Dhamma, that it's like this, that we see all the people in the world. There's, in truth, there's really no person there. 
that a, a being is merely a being. There's no self to be found. Seeing clearly one sees there's no me, there's no mine, there's no you or yours. The being is uh, just merely a being. It's uh, merely a convention. Because in truth it's all empty, it's not self. Emptiness is in form, and form has emptiness. They're not different from one another. So we continue to meditate and practice, and then doubts can be dispelled. So keep doing your practice. Just do it. In the end, you can see clearly what the Buddha taught. What the Buddha taught in this first teaching, that that which is of the nature to arise is of the nature to pass away. Just like Venerable Anya Kundanya saw during this first teaching, so we practice to see clearly in his footsteps. And then doubts will no longer be there. This will be the end of doubts. One sees the Buddha, the Dhamma, and the Sangha, and no doubts are left. The heart feels full and happy. This is the mind changing. And after this rapture arises easily, samadhi is not that difficult to attain. Sometimes this still the mind can become agitated or chaotic when moods and sense impressions enter the mind, but we contemplate and fight with this. Whether liking or disliking arises, we contemplate this. We use our wisdom. We use wisdom to contemplate. Is there liking arising or disliking? We practice and contemplate a lot in order to give rise to samadhi and collectedness. This is something that is possible that we can do. Or we can repeat Buddha, Dhammo, Sangho. And for those who are foreigners, they may have more of an inclination to use a wisdom technique, not so much of a, a faith uh, personality type. For one with a more of a faith personality type, they do, they can do the repetition of Buto, Buto. But for foreigners, they may gravitate more towards contemplation of Dhamma, seeing impermanence, suffering, and not self. Contemplating to see all materiality and mentality is impermanent, suffering, and not self. One teaches the mind that none of it is a me, a mine, or a self. And if the mind accepts this, and the mind can accept this, then there's no need to explain a lot. Mupucha taught like this in a very easy way, taught to contemplate that things are not sure, that they're impermanent. And when one is able to accept this, then the mind is at ease. So one teaches the mind, it's unsure, it's unsure, it's impermanent, it's not stable. So one can teach the mind uh, in a very easy way like this. This is one technique we can do in order to see clearly the truth of reality, to see the Dhamma. So may you really set your hearts on this practice. This is something of great importance in our lives. This is a time to establish, to establish ourselves in heedfulness. We don't know when sickness will come. We don't know when death will come. It's unsure. Therefore, really set your hearts on this practice of mental cultivation. May you uh, teach and train your minds uh, to a high degree.